Welcome to Leading from Behind, a podcast series about the practice of solution-focused therapy, produced by the Halifax Brief Therapy Center. I'm Barry McClatchy, and this is episode number 18, Developing Skills in Solution-Focused Practice. Well, thank you for joining me once again here on Leading from Behind. To this point in the program, we've been looking at the process, questions, and skills associated with first and follow-up sessions in solution-focused therapy. In our next three episodes, we'll be shifting into an examination of some practices that you can undertake to not only improve your skills in solution-focused therapy, but also as a means of improving outcomes for your clients. Now, in this particular episode, we'll be looking at some of the specific ways that you can engage in a continual process of strengthening your skills. Now, in the resource segment of the podcast this week, I'll provide a link to two solution-focused training centers that offer week-long summer intensive programs, one in the United States and the other in the United Kingdom. So, once again, welcome to Leading from Behind. I hope you'll find this episode useful in your solution-focused practice. In the simplest terms, the more we do something, the better we tend to get at it. This would certainly hold true in terms of solution-focused therapy. We can only get better by doing it. At the same time, though, being intentional in how we practice and learn is far more likely to result in improvement in the quality of our work. As a result, establishing some ongoing processes that facilitate this improvement certainly makes sense. So, in this episode, I'm going to talk about three processes that you can incorporate into your practice which can help in strengthening your skills in solution-focused practice. Now, the largest focus here will be on the use of consulting or observation teams. Secondly, and more briefly, we'll talk about working with a single colleague in a somewhat similar manner to a consulting team. And finally, the third process involves audio or video recording of your session for later review. Now, of course, your ability to adapt these processes into your practice may depend upon your own unique work environment and whether or not you're fortunate to have colleagues who also engage in solution-focused practice. So, let's begin by talking about the use of a team in conducting a solution-focused therapy session. For the sake of consistency, I'm going to refer to it as a consulting team. Now, the focus here will be largely on how consulting teams are helpful in building your skills in solution-focused practice. We'll certainly look at the subject of teams more specifically in a future episode. The use of a consulting team actually has quite a history within the development of solution-focused therapy, as it's been well documented that this was frequently the way sessions were conducted at the Brief Family Therapy Center in Milwaukee when Steve DeShazer, Insu Kimberg, and their colleagues developed the approach. Although there are variations in how teams operate in therapy settings, a consulting team session basically works as follows. One clinician acts as the lead therapist and meets with the client or clients as usual. At the same time, a small team of colleagues observes the session in another room, either via video technology or through a two-way mirror, if such a mechanism is available. Naturally, the team session is only conducted with the informed written consent of the client. So the lead therapist conducts the session as usual up to the point of the break, where the end-of-session message would be constructed. During the break, the lead therapist joins the team, and together they construct the feedback for the client. 
The lead therapist then returns to the counseling room and delivers the message from the team to the client. Now, in some therapy environments where a team is used, the observing team members might also choose to call into the session while it's in progress with a question for the client. This can be a very useful action for both the therapist and client when the question advances the conversation in a helpful way. Of course, the team would decide in advance if a call-in would be used, and the client, of course, would be advised of that possibility. Now, the team's role during the session is twofold. First, team members listen very carefully to the process and content of the session, so they're able to develop useful feedback for the lead therapist to convey to the client at the end of the session. Secondly, team members also pay close attention to the therapist's questions and interaction with the client, noticing, in particular, what the therapist is doing well in conducting a solution-focused therapy session. During the break, to develop end-of-session feedback, team members offer their ideas about direct compliments, what seems important to the client, what might be helpful to validate, and perhaps some ideas about a between-session suggestion or experiment. After the session is completed and the client has departed, the complete team then engages in a debriefing that serves as a form of peer supervision. Now, in future episodes, we'll devote time to the matter of solution-focused supervision. So, for the moment, I'm going to talk generally about the process of this team discussion. As always, keep in mind that there are variations in how others might conduct this conversation. The following simply represents our own perspective of it. So generally, the first part of the conversation would focus on what the therapist did that went well and what was helpful during the session. So for example, we might begin by having the observing team members offer some direct compliments to the therapist. Now, similar to the kinds of direct compliments we give to our clients, it's important for team members to provide positive feedback that focuses on the process in the session rather than a characteristic demonstrated by the therapist. As an example, I might compliment the therapist on their gentle persistence in eliciting the client's preferred future, rather than commenting on the therapist simply being a good listener. In the same way, the direct compliments offered to the therapist should also be meaningful and useful. Similar to a therapy session, we want to offer compliments that mobilize the therapist's confidence and sense of competence. Ideally, then, feedback to the therapist should be related to specific aspects of solution-focused practice rather than being generic in nature. As team members offer their feedback, the therapist is typically invited to talk about his or her own perspective on what was useful or helpful during the session. In the next part of the conversation, the therapist is then asked to talk about what he or she might like to have done or done differently in the session. Now, it's important to note here that it's the therapist who talks about this rather than the team members. The team member's role here is to ask useful questions to the therapist in clarifying or being clear about what he or she might want to pay attention to in their continued development as a solution-focused practitioner. In other words, the team members do not occupy a place of expertise or offer criticism of the therapist's performance. Instead, they take a solution-focused position in supporting their colleague. During this process, team members might even ask the therapist scaling questions relating to various aspects of the session, or in relation to the therapist's observations of what could have been different in the session. Accordingly, questions for the therapist might also target next small signs of change relating to specific elements of their solution-focused practice.
Now, again, our discussion here is really touching on the process of solution-focused peer supervision, so I want to keep an emphasis here on how using consulting teams can be one of the best ways to improve your skills in solution-focused practice. So here, then, are some of those immediate benefits. First, as the lead therapist, you receive direct and positive feedback from supportive colleagues. Not only is this useful in building confidence, but it's also helpful in building cohesion and respect among teams and colleagues. Second, the therapist benefits from a supportive environment where he or she can examine and clarify aspects of practice where improvements can be achieved. Ideally, the therapist leaves the team session with some specific ideas about what she wants to focus on in further developing her skills. Third, a small group of colleagues who are listening carefully to the session enables the therapist to perhaps convey more useful feedback for the client. This, of course, is based on the notion that several heads are always better than one. Now, skill development is also an added benefit when you participate as a team member rather than the therapist. First, you have the opportunity to observe a solution-focused session from a different perspective. Listening to the questions being asked and observing the therapist's decisions on what to elicit or amplify offers a wonderful opportunity to build on one's own practice. Secondly, observing the session for the purpose of contributing feedback to the client is also an excellent opportunity for listening carefully to what's important to a client and what they want from the session. When you're acting as the therapist, you're focused on what the client is saying, but also what you want to ask next. As an observer, you can give much more of your attention to what the client is saying. Finally, as a team member, we can also be learning from other team members. Hearing, for example, their ideas about feedback to the client and to the therapist can be very useful in itself. Now, of course, it's possible that your work environment is somehow not conducive to establishing a regular consulting team consisting of other solution-focused practitioners. If this is the case, and you have at least one colleague who also practices in a solution-focused manner, it's also possible to take advantage of times when you can simply sit in on each other's sessions. In these instances, you can simply establish the same process that you might use with a consulting team. The observer of a session would generally not be part of the conversation with the client, unless, of course, it was agreed in advance that an opportunity would be given to ask a question at some point if it seemed important. Again, the observer's role would be to listen to the session so as to be helpful in generating the end-of-session feedback and to participate in a debriefing with the therapist after the session is complete. Now, when engaging in this kind of practice, it's once again important to ensure that the purpose is to support each other in building skills and solution-focused conversations. While the consulting team format offers a richer opportunity for skill development, sitting in on sessions can offer many of the same benefits. Finally, using video or audio technology to simply record your sessions is another way to bring intentionality to the process of building your skills. Now, reviewing the recording can be done either alone or with one or more colleagues. Again, the focus in doing so should be on what you're doing well and, of course, what stands out to you as areas for further improvement. In reviewing the recording with others, it's not always even necessary to listen to the entire session. You can pick out portions of the recording that highlight what went well, or conversely, those parts of the session that highlight the areas for further development in your work. So we've looked at three specific ways that can help in building your skills and solution-focused practice. 
In each instance, you would obviously require the informed and written consent of the client. Now, I can certainly say from experience that many clients are agreeable to these kinds of processes. In fact, they tend to be agreeable to this far more often than one would expect. And I think this is often because our clients appreciate our efforts to be focused on building the quality of our work. It's also important to say again that when colleagues are involved in these processes, that there must be a collective position of respect and support for each other. In other words, it's imperative that everyone involved is bringing the same solution-focused approach to the process of peer supervision as they would to a solution-focused therapy with a client. Now, I would also say that from personal experience that observing the work of others and being observed in solution-focused practice have been the most significant element in the growth of my own skills. You can read lots of books and attend workshops, but nothing, at least in my opinion, can beat the experience of examining your skills in real-life situations. Finally, I want to underline that the practice of using consulting teams, sitting in on sessions, or recording your work shouldn't be something that only exists in the early stages of developing your skills and solution-focused practice. Ideally, these processes are maintained throughout your career as a helping professional and solution-focused practitioner, not only as a means of continuous quality improvement, but also as a way of underlining that learning and skill development is a lifelong experience. In keeping with our focus in this episode on skill development and solution-focused practice, this week's resource segment is devoted to opportunities for more intensive training than one might get from attending a workshop or conference. Now, there are likely a number of places in the world where you can attend a one-week intensive training in solution-focused practice, but I'm going to identify two places that I'm aware of that offer such an opportunity. If you're aware of others, please feel free to let us know, and we'll mention it during a future episode. Now, ideally, the type of intensive training I'm talking about here is one where there's an opportunity to practice and observe solution-focused therapy in action. As well, such an experience is enhanced when observation or practice includes work with actual clients. So, the first resource of this nature is the summer school program held by BRIEF, a solution-focused agency based in London, England. We've mentioned this organization on several occasions in the past in this podcast, and will likely do so again in the future. The Brief Summer School is certainly described as a multifaceted learning experience for solution-focused practitioners of various levels of experience. In addition to exercises and observation of tape sessions, there's also the opportunity to observe live sessions with agency clients. Now, the 2014 summer school description isn't listed yet, but to learn more about this intriguing learning opportunity, you can visit Brief at brief.org.uk, and then simply follow the link entitled Training Courses. Now, the second week-long intensive training in solution-focused therapy I'll mention is in Denver, Colorado in the United States. The Denver Center for Solution-Focused Brief Therapy advertises a week-long intensive training for both new and experienced practitioners. During the program, they offer hands-on training and supervised practice. While information on the 2014 training isn't advertised at this time, you can find out more about what's in store by visiting the Denver Center at denversolutions.com. Again, if you have information about other similar training in your part of the world, please feel free to let us know, and I'll be happy to mention the details on an upcoming episode. (laughs) 
So we've reached the end of this episode, and I'd like to thank you again for joining me. In our next episode, number 19, we'll begin the first of two episodes devoted to feedback-informed treatment practices. While these practices aren't specific to solution-focused practice, they're inherently compatible with the assumptions and beliefs that lie at the heart of solution-focused practice. In our experience, the use of feedback-informed treatment practices offer us the best opportunities for obtaining improved outcomes with our clients. Now, if you have comments or questions about this episode or the podcast in general, please feel free to do so on the podcast page of the Halifax Brief Therapy Centre website at hbtc.ca or by sending an email to feedback at hbtc.ca. As well, if you'd like us to mention a website, book, or upcoming training opportunity in your area relating to solution-focused practice, please let us know and we'll be happy to report it in the resource section of the podcast. Again, the Leading From Behind podcast is available on or about the 1st and 15th of each month. You can find it on the Halifax Brief Therapy Centre website at hbtc.ca, or you can subscribe to the podcast for free through iTunes. To do so, simply follow the link on the podcast page of the website, or look for us in the iTunes store in the training subsection of the education category. Finally, my thanks to Dano at danosongs.com, provider of royalty-free music used under Creative Commons license. So you've been listening to Leading From Behind, a solution-focused therapy podcast, episode number 18. I'm Barry McClatchy from the Halifax Brief Therapy Center. I certainly hope you'll join us again.